and welcome to the show. Today I have Sandy Welch, who is a candidate for the, uh, is it the Superintendent of Public Instruction? Yes. So it's OPI. Superintendent, okay. yes. Um, let's start with uh, a little bit about you. Where are you from and how did you end up in politics? Well, you know, I, I live in Flathead County, so oh. I'm in, in Martin City. Um, my husband and I moved to Montana in the late 1990s, and I was a high school principal here for, for quite a while. Oh, very cool. Then I started my own business, um, continued working with teachers and working with schools from, from the outside in, into the system. But when I was working for myself, I had some more flexibility with my time as opposed to working inside the school system. Oh, and being stuck there from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we um, started to get involved in politics because it's something that I've always had an interest in. And I ran for my local house seat and lost in the primary. Um, but it was just, you know, it was just something that, that always intrigued me. Um, mm. It's, it's an interesting topic, and it's interesting to me the whole system of how things get done and, and how we accomplish goals is, is just um, extremely intriguing and very important. So it's one of those things that I decided to do. Cool. So where are you from before you came to Montana? I was born and raised in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania in the Poconos. And we had three traffic lights. One always blinked red one direction, yellow the other direction. The other two actually worked. So, <laughs> so it was a pretty small town. And then what was it like? Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about working in the school system because it is something that interests me, and I don't know that it interests the people who listen to the show particularly, but it's such mm -hmm. a political realm, even though it, it seems like something that people would just agree on. Education is important. Right. Um, but then there's this whole big mess of how we think education is important. Um, right. And you coming from the school background, going into politics, is your perspective different than what you found from other politicians? Or I think to some extent it is. Um, you know, it, it's easier when you're talking about philosophy and values and, and do that big picture kind of conversation. Then, then it's then everybody can participate in the conversation. When they start getting into details about we need to do this into small pieces, then you start seeing that people don't understand the system. They don't understand how everything works. And if you push here, all of these other things are going to go nuts. Uh, you know, you know, you don't want to do that. We can, you know, let's talk about what the objective is, and let's let our educators, let's let people, people figure out how to move the system to get there in a way that doesn't destroy the whole thing in the motion. So what was it like going from, I was assuming you were a teacher at some point? I was. I was a high school math teacher. Okay. Oh, math teachers. <laughs> 
I always did so well in math. And my, my husband is a middle school woodshop teacher. Ah. So that's exactly the reaction we get. He goes, I love woodshop. I hated math. That's, well, it, I, I'm actually, used no, to it. I hated woodshop too. Okay. So <laughs> don't feel bad. And actually, it was funny because when I was in high school, I was actually pretty good at math, but not good in showing my work. I mm-hmm. take after my mom in that I right. understand it, but I don't know necessarily how I got there. Right. And um, so that was always a pain. Yeah. Like, Show your work. My work was this. I put it in my head. Right. <laughs> and out came an answer. Right. Um, then they didn't buy it. <laughs> so going from a teacher to a principal, when you go from uh, educator to administrator, that's a fairly substantial change. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how has it changed now that you're outside of the system? Your view on those two roles is it closer than you thought it was when you were there, or? Um, no, no. It, it's actually, I think, having those multiple perspectives on the education system has been very valuable to me, particularly pursuing the pursuing pursuing this office for mm-hmm. state superintendent, because. I now understand when people are outside the system trying to work with it, the level of frustrations they have, even for somebody who knows the system well, to say, but we should be able to just do this, and, and it's never quite that simple. It's not always, it's not always organized in a way that, that, that it's easy to move. Um, and and as, a teacher, as a teacher, you actually have a lot of control in your classroom. You, you get to, you, you schedule your day. You know, you know we're going to have this activity, and it's going to last this much of the class period, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And, and there's a lot of structure that teachers have. When you get into administration, you have almost no structure whatsoever. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're pulled in a million different ways right. that somebody has sent to you. Well, well and, and part of the job is to be reacting to what's happening and, and you know, just being able, to, being able to, to be there and to be the assistant, to be the coach, to be the, um, sometimes the disciplinarian, to, be, you know, to, to fulfill all of these different roles. And all of those roles pop independently. They're unplanned most of the time. <laughs> and, and then you have you know, your planned pile of work that you thought you were going to get to that day. And then, so you've got those inside the school, now that you're outside the school and you've worked mm-hmm. as, I don't, what was your organization? Um, I was a consultant, so, okay. I worked, so I wrote federal grant applications for clients um, because of my background, mostly did education and social services kinds of work. Um, worked a lot with, I was the, I was the principal in Ronan on the, on the Flathead Reservation. So when I started my own business, my, you know, I did a lot of work for the Salish Kootenai um, tribes and for Salish Kootenai College. Hmm. So, cool. yeah, so, so, so I got to do a lot of things there and then also work with, um, with quite a number of schools in the area for some of the different programs, did some teacher training, did, did um, program evaluation, see how things were working. So you got a little more structure back in your life, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little more control. Out of, out of the principal's role. When you go into the OPI role, do you think it's going to be a lot less control again. <laughs> a lot less again. I was, I'm trying to find a nice way to ask, is it going to be more effed up? <laughs> so you've got the, the Office of Public Instruction has always been one of those offices that's been, it, it confuses me. I, I wonder why it is the way it is, but um, I always think that it's great that we have good people running for it because it's good mm-hmm. to have good choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks as a voter, though, to have to pick between awesome people. Um, so you decided to run for office when? Last year? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. So, Last summer. Um, 
What's it been like running this campaign? Because I know you've run a campaign before. You said you lost in the primary. Right. But, um, and I know campaigns the first time you run are always sort of overwhelming. Are you still feeling overwhelmed with this one, or is it because it's statewide? Or Yeah, it's it's very different. So the first time I ran for for my local house seat, mm-hmm. so, so that was a much smaller, localized piece. And I learned, you know, I, I think losing teaches you more than winning ever does. Um, so, so I learned a lot from that. And then I had the and then because I ran, I had an opportunity to work as a staffer this last legislative session. Mm. So, so I worked in the Senate Leadership Office. Um, and because of my background, got to do a lot of work with education, legislation, and some of those pieces. Um, oh, so you were up at the legislature during I was. <laughs> I was. Um, and and I'm, not, I, I, I'm not responsible for where some of the things oh, ended no, I, up. <laughs> I fully blame the, edu- the elected officials, um, even some of my friends that I adore. I, I blame them. I, I think the last session was a disaster. And and you know and, and as a staffer you have roles that that you that you fulfill so, um, you know as I start looking at, at running this statewide campaign it's 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 way different the the scale of everything just changes the way you have to approach it all so it's kind of like doing it for the first time again oh. um, it's a little nicer because because of the legislative experience I actually know people all over the state I have connections everywhere. I know some of the other statewide candidates are people who've run in the past for statewide offices. So I've had a lot of uh, ability to, to tap people and, and, and really get in, get in there and get a lot of good advice and some advice that I've ignored. <laughs> Which may or may not have been good on good choice on my part, but you know. Well, yeah, you have to make decisions. You can't do everything that everyone tells you because somebody. That's tell right. You, your signs have to be red, and other person will say they have to be blue. Yes. Yes. And then you mix them together, you end up with a purple sign. Actually, <laughs> when I ran for the house seat, my, my, my color was purple. Huh. Well, my last name is Welch, so I uh, went for the whole Welch's grape juice connection. Ah, uh, smart. To, to help do That's some name recognition. Very smart. I, I actually I was knocking on doors. I handed somebody my my, uh, my little my little palm card. And they looked at it and looked at me and said, "I'm hungry for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich." It's like it worked. They got it instantly. <laughs> That's brilliant. So I, I, I've, I've wondered this. It, this is a thought that occurred to me a couple shows ago, and I haven't really brought it up. But I, I wonder if, because our state is so big, the statewide campaigns are completely different than uh, what people go through in smaller states. Because I'm thinking, like back east, where they have the state that's the size of one of our counties. You know, they they go to a statewide race and they can still walk around and meet everybody. I mean, they can still walk to every neighborhood, meet the you know, do a town hall in the area and get everybody right. there. Right. Whereas we're left with you've got fifty six counties and, uh, and lots of uh, hot, lots, lots of, of windshield and time, not a lot of people. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I wonder how how much more complex the campaign becomes just simply because of that fact. I, I think it, it takes a lot more logistics and planning to make sure that your time is spent well because it is so much windshield time. Mm. So, so you have to make sure that, that, that a trip like, like today, you know, today has five appointments in it. I just, go from, <laughs> I just go from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, but you have to do that because, you know, I, I, spent, I spent four hours, you know, driving over here and, right. and you're gonna, it's going to take four hours getting back. So once you take out that kind of chunk of time out of your day, you need to make sure that the time that you have on the ground is very well used. Yeah. So you started the campaign. Um, I and this may be my own fault. I, I follow most of the campaigns pretty well, but I didn't see a lot out for, of your campaign leading up to the primary. Did you have a primary campaign? No. That's why. Ah, that's why. So you were just raising for the general, right? And uh, 
Well, I mean, they're, they're, through the primary, I'm just building name recognition. Right. Just trying to make sure people know who I am. Hopefully that you know that that this right. is out there. Um, but with the number of governor candidates and secretary of state candidates, breaking through is a little tough. It was yeah the governor's race huh, weird. Anyway, so uh, got through the primary. What was primary like, night like for you? Because obviously you didn't have to worry about it right. too much. But it was right. that sort of like the starting gun for you. Um, actually, because of all of the th- uh, because of all of the competition on the Republican ticket, almost a week or two before the primary, we kind of backed off. Um, mm. Just because just because you know the other candidates were, were were inundating the airwaves, and and I wanted you know I'm going to support my fellow Republicans, and the way I supported them was got out of their way. I mean, there's no reason why I need to take an audience when those candidates needed to be in front of folks. Ah. Um, so and so it gave it gave me a chance to start doing some planning ahead of time. So ah. that was really where I started starting started planning for the transition to the general. Um, because I went through the primary, you know, it was uncontested, so it worked okay, but I went through the primary without any staff. Uh. Um, so, so, so part of what I had been doing was kind of looking at, at who was around, and, and I, so I was very interested in what the results were going to be so I could see which staffers were uh. going to, to not have a campaign to be attached to any longer. I take it you have staff now? I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I am very happy. You're like, oh, they I'm going this to someone else. They are awesome. Well, you know, I'm not so sure it necessarily gives me less work, but I'm, I'm more effective. Mm. I, don't, you know, I wasn't saying it was less work. It's just right. one of those things where it's like, this is not something I need to deal with. I yes. have people for this. Right. Um, I, I fully support everybody having a good staff when they're yes. running for office because yes. there's so many things that you have to do. It just you, you can lose focus very much on why you're running if you have to deal with all the administration of running. Right, right. Um, Every once in a while I'd find myself down in the weeds going, what am I doing here? This is not a good use of my time. <laughs> um, so, 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 now, so now that there's more of us involved in the campaign, that, that really helps prevent that from happening. That's very cool. So what do you have coming up in your campaign? Do you have? I, I know you've got the uh, four other appointments right. today, yeah. <laughs> but do you have like town halls? Do you have debates coming up? Uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, uh, the my competition has has we've solidified two debate dates. We're mm. still trying to to we're still trying to solidify the third one. Very so cool. as a matter of fact, hopefully that's happening this morning. Oh, so so um, we'll be in Missoula on August twenty first. And in Great Falls on September twenty sixth. Oh wow! So we're looking for, cool. for we're looking for one more debate right before absentee ballots go out, mm. which is early October. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what caused you to run? What's the issue that caused you to step up to the plate? Or was it one issue? Was it just? And well, it's a lot of things. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of things. One, one is um, just because of my background. It's something that I know well, that, that I um, am passionate about. I've spent 20 years of my life working in, with, for, around education. So, so to me, it's really critical. And, and what's most critical to me is that our kids in Montana, our students, are, are doing very well, that they're, that they're learning what they need to learn, that their time spent in school is valuable, and I also see, you know, our kids in Montana have to compete with everybody around the world. We need to have a globally competitive education system. And, you know, Montana does really well compared to most of the states in the nation, but we need to make sure that we're competitive internationally. 
And that's kind of, you know, a, a lot of our performance has been fairly static for the past few years. We haven't seen, we haven't continued to see any growth. And if we have an international competition to rise up to, we can't have that level of staticness. Uh, so um, what are the specific areas that you think need work? I think we need a lot more... Um, I think we need a lot more control at the local level so our local schools can address the kids' the kids' needs that we have. kind of goes back to that whole Montana's a really big state. Right. Not quite sure how you make a rule from Helena that works in Scobie, Montana, and works in Missoula. The communities are different. The needs of the kids are different. The sizes of the systems are different. When you start creating rules that, that affect everybody across, uh, across the whole realm, things get messed up. And I think what happens is people start working on complying with the rule as opposed to attaining the spirit in which the rule was put in place uh. in the first time, <laughs> you know, in the first place. Those yeah. are two really different things. It's just a, it's a very different way to, to look at how you lead an organization, which is really what the state superintendent is doing. So the, the leader of the public education system across the state. And so there are, a number, there are a lot of different ways to do that. And, and one is I think we need to provide a lot of resources, provide a lot of support to all of our local school districts, but we need, to let our, we need a lot more decision-making at the local level. So are you talking the local level, the individual school, or the local level, the district, the county? Typically the district, because that's, um, that's the, way, the way everything is, is structured. And most of our districts in Montana are this, you know, it's the high, most of our districts have a high school, a middle school, maybe one or two elementary schools. Right. So. Um, but we've got 500 and some odd districts. Yes. Uh, a little less than that, yeah. Uh, I, it's still an outrageous number right, in my right. head. I'm like, Last I saw was 436 or 438, okay. but, but it so, changes. So still, you know, 438 right. districts we've got. And what kills me about this, and this is my own personal, you know, really, how does this work? We've got less students in our system than they have in the L.A. school district system. Right. And we've got 500 districts, right. 438 districts, right. or however many, you know, 6 billion districts. So it seems like we're very administration top-heavy. Um, compared to some of these other places, you know, and maybe we are that way because the distance requires it. Right. Um, but I would question, you know, this, it's 2012. We have the internet. Right. <laughs> how can we how can we re- reduce some of the administration and give some of that money back to the teachers so that they can teach their classes better? Right. How can we improve the books that kids are using to learn? Or how can we switch over to using uh, digital technology to replace the books? So the kids are learning faster and better and not breaking mm-hmm. their backs, carrying backpacks the size of Buicks. Right. So, right. you know, there's, a, there's many parts that I... I was going to say, you, you just brought up a whole litany of different things. So, so, so for example, um, I live in Flathead County, and one of our school districts, we have an elementary district. So the, part of the reason we have so many is we have some elementary districts and high school districts. And sometimes their boundaries match, but not usually. Yeah, well, in Helena, same thing. We've got East Helena has their own elementary district, but they're part of the high school district. Exactly. So same thing in Flathead County. So one of the elementary districts said exactly that. Are we spending too much? You know, why do we have a superintendent? Why do we have all of this infrastructure in place in our district if our our elementary district is wholly encompassed in this high school district? And they looked into consolidating. The problem is is that actually what they spend on their administrative level, on their superintendent, 
was less than what it would take to change the salary schedule from because the smaller districts tend not to pay as well. Once they changed the salary schedule up to the larger district salary schedule, it took all of that savings that you get from eliminating the administrative level and more. Mm. So you actually ended up with less money in the classroom. So they decided not to do it. And that was because so, of... I don't understand where the salary schedule came from. Is that Well, the salary schedules in the two different districts were different. Uh, so when you consolidate, you never consolidate down. You, uh, you always consolidate up. Well, there's a problem. Right. <laughs> right. Or we consolidate or, across. Or, or, or even, but, but even if you have such a small district consolidating into a larger one, you know, mm. the larger, you're, you're not going to renegotiate the larger district's contracts. Mm. So, so once, once so you... So the cost saving just goes away. The cost savings was gone. Uh, there was none. So given, given that scenario, then the community said, well, we want to continue to control our local school. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, it's kind of a quirky reason it makes sense. but Well, I mean, if, if you're doing it for cost savings and there is no cost savings. Then you can't do it. Right. Then why do it? Yeah, if, if the cost savings is not going to be immediate. But I would, I would posit in that case you're dealing with... Um, a small school district that at some point is going to have to renegotiate their contracts anyway because they mm-hmm. only last a certain amount of time. Just make sure that your contract no- negotiation matches up with the contract negotiation for the larger area and add it in at well, that point. But part of the, pro- part of the reason in, in, in this particular example, um, the larger school district has much more significant budget problems because their percentage of their budget that they're spending on salaries is very high. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the smaller district, the percentage of budget that they're spending on salaries is lower, but that allows them to make sure that their facilities are always maintained, that they have the funds to do all of the different things that the school needs to do, and they're a very fiscally sound organization. Yeah, so it sounds like that larger organization needs to get a grip on what they're doing with their negotiations. Uh, so then why do you want to consolidate? Well, I'd want the larger one to consolidate into the smaller one and actually learn how to negotiate a contract is what I would want to do. You know, and it, right. part of this comes down to, you know, I believe the teachers are woefully underpaid because I look at I look back at my history in, in going through school and I know that many teachers many times made huge impacts in my life. Mm-hmm. And these people were not paid nearly enough for what they did, even just for me. And they did it for so many other students that it's right. um, it's and, insanity. But then I look at what we're paying. And our Montana teachers are paid 47th, 48th in the nation, right. depending on what study you look at. And then you look and see you know, most of the kids that graduate from high school, and we do have a high graduation rate. It's mm-hmm. excellent, but it's high. Right. They go on to college, and generally they go on to one of the state colleges here mm-hmm. in Montana, and then they turn around and leave the state because they've got such a great education that they become a valuable resource that's exported. Right. And, you know, so they're not building jobs here. They're not doing things here because of other issues that are going on with the state. But obviously our education system is doing well on Mm -hmm. a certain level. And, uh, you know, making it better is a great goal, but some of the things that are wrong with it are just staggeringly wrong. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, and, and you talk about, uh, you know, our kids going on to university and doing well, and Montana actually has a very low percentage of people that access our two-year colleges. Mm-hmm. So we have a very low percentage of our population with associate's degrees. Yes, and that's our... Um the Board of Regents is trying to fix that, but they're trying yes, to fix it are. by changing the names of the schools. Well, they're, 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 doing, they're doing a number of other things, and they're actually um, working on, because I, I met, I met with, with some of the folks from the University of, for, from um, Higher Ed and the Commissioner's Office, 
and we're, we're getting better at making sure our systems from K-12 into post, post-secondary are more integrated and more in line. And that's work that hasn't been done for a long, long time. So, so we need to make sure that, that we have a much more seamless flow from out of high school into either college to get an AA or into the university so that, so that, kids, can, so that kids can move, so that taxpayer dollars and parent tuition dollars are spent very wisely that nobody's kind of having to make up for lost ground or, or having to deal with that gap in expectations between right. the two systems. I just think some of the stuff that they've done, and this is me personally complaining, so you know, take it for what it is. Some of the stuff they've done with the tech schools, I mean, like the Votech here in Helena used to have, or like, excuse me, it's now the uh, Technical College of the University of Montana in Helena, um, which one, nobody remembers that name, it's the Votech. And two, it should still be the Votech, but they got rid of the avionics and aviation classes out there because the president doesn't believe in them. There shouldn't have ever been a president there anywhere. There used to be a chancellor, and that chancellor was fine, and, or a president of the school. I don't remember if it was chancellor or president. But now there's a, a president of the school that's paid on a level that's just outrageous for a two-year college in that's, it, that is effectively a Votech or was a Votech, and they've gotten rid of all of the technical skills that used to be there. They've eliminated courses because he wants it to be something other than what it was intended to be. And, you know, the uh, higher ed. Oh, I should stop. I'm here to yeah. interview you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, um, and I'm schools, not higher ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so high schools are important. Elementary schools are important. And mm-hmm. uh, the middle schools are changing constantly. Um, between when I went to middle school, it started at seventh grade, and now it apparently starts at sixth and in fifth in some of the school systems. It depends on the community, and okay, for, so, for lots of reasons. Okay, so so some of them are that there there's an educational philosophy difference between a middle school and a junior high school. Um, if if people are are. are are really sticking to the definition of middle school. Right? Oh. If they're really sticking to those definitions, sometimes schools are labeled in the philosophy. The underlying philosophy is not present, <laughs> um, and sometimes the so, sometimes it's just plain old, you know, where your population bubble is and how your your distribution in the number of kids is. In that, you need to be able to get kids through the facilities that you have. And so for a couple of years, uh, fifth grade will move up, and then it'll move back. And, yeah. you know, so, so, so sometimes you just have to do what you, what you need to do to make sure that all the kids are in a safe environment. Hmm. So what are the major things that you, wanna, that you want to work on in OPI? Um, I think we need to see a lot, more, um, a lot more transparency in how all of our schools are doing. So we need to. So, so in a community, you need to know how your schools are. You, you need to know how your schools are doing. Parents need to know that. Community members need to know that. Taxpayers want to know that. Everybody wants to wants um, wants some level of information. And right now, there's not a good way to get that. There's not a good way for people to really get a flavor for that, other than reading the newspaper and kind of seeing what. So what, what kind of fireworks it, are going? Right. Is it is it that you want them to have? See, uh, here we're going to get into it. That they need to have some sort of standardized testing that's going on. Do they? Need we to have, have lots of standardized testing. Right. I know. So so it would it would be nice for people to be able to access and see that information yeah. in a way that makes sense. Okay. Um, be, because there's the. the there's a way that it's released that makes sense to me, but I'm a professional educator. I understand what those things, what, what those numbers mean, and what those trends mean, and and whether that whether that little pop up of two points is significant or not. Frequently, it's not. Um, <laughs> you know, but 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 somebody will say, oh, well, you know, but we did better than last year. 
Well, statistically, not really. You know, you're, you're still, you're still in the same. The, the right margin of error. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so there's there's just so much information to be communicated, and we need to figure out a way to do that well. Um, I believe we have lots and lots of schools in Montana that are doing a phenomenal job, and I think there are communities that don't know how great their schools are. We need to be able to fix that. So is it something where you're going to do a comparison between two schools, or is it some sort of national bar that you're going to measure against? Or You know, there's lots of different models. So, so part of the, you know, and, 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 there's, and, and then you get into the whole political process. So it, it's, the state, it's the state superintendent, it's the board of public education, it's the legislature, it's the governor. So, so it's not, you know, I don't, get to, I don't get to wave a magic wand and say, it shall be like this. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there are some people who think that's what I'm running for, it, the office does not come with a magic wand. No, that would be cool if it did, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, what sort of programs do you want to see expanded in the state? What, what sort of major changes do you want to, do you want to have at the, the local level, or do you want to help affect at the local level? Well, I, I'm, having, I'm having administrators asking for relief from reporting requirements and making sure that, that our data systems are working better so that they're not filling out the same forms over and over and over again. You know, when, when I go to a website and I go back the second time, it already knows who I am. Right. When, when our school administrators go to fill out forms, the forms are blank from the very beginning every time. Well, and I guess, you know, it's 2012. Why are they filling out forms? Well, I mean, sometimes they're filling out forms online, which is usually the way it's done now. Well, but still, but, right yes. click, fill my information. Exactly, exactly. So, so we have a lot of work to do in just the mechanics of the system and getting the system up to current technology and making sure, making sure that we're... That we're Relieving the burden there so that folks can focus on education, focus on our kids and their learning. So, and part of your uh, goal to get more transparency is to improve the reporting system so they're more automated? Well, so they're more automated, so they're more accurate, so they're more transparent, so that we have a whole lot more people and who so can take inter- a look at them. Intercommunicate. Yes. So they can look up information from two different districts, maybe right. compare it. Right. Or, yeah, maybe lots of different districts. Um, so, with that, how does that directly affect children? I, because I think that communities need to know um, what the challenges that the kids in their communities are having. Where are, and, and school, board, you know, school boards are asking for training and support. So they really want to be saying, what are the needs of our kids? What are the, what, you know, where, where's that sweet spot of what it is that we have to be doing to, to really increase our students' achievement? And and right now, if you don't, if you can't see any of the information, if you don't have any of the data, you're just kind of going around guessing, saying, yeah. you know, I've talked to a dozen people, and we all think that this will, well, this will create wonderful change. Well, but if you talked to those twelve over people over there, you would get a very different answer. Right. So, so we need we need to be able to be much more systemic about what we're doing. We have we're, we're learning a lot about teaching and learning and how that happens. We have because of technology developments, we have a lot more tools that measure that and can measure that growth and can measure that achievement. So, so there there are a lot of pieces to be able to there are a lot of pieces and resources that we can bring to bear on the issues. That's not not being done in a way that, that's accessible or, or systemic. And I think that's truly a role for the Office of Public Instruction. Yeah. The office needs to be a resource to all of those school districts, to the, to the classroom teacher, to those parents, so that we can all focus on the goal of student learning and making sure that we're addressing that and making sure that, that that's, what's, that's what's the focus of what our whole system is. 
right now it seems too often the system is focused on the pro issues of the system, of the structure, instead of focusing on the issues of the kid learning. Mm -hmm. and, and we really need to be, we really need to be moving things so that we have that focus. So um, you've got 700 billion school districts. You've got less than, what, 400,000 kids mm -hmm. in, the, in the state. And uh, you, they're scattered from hell to breakfast, really. Right, right. <laughs> and, and then you step into this role, and it's hard to, you've already said, it's hard to make a decision in Helena that's going to be the right decision for these people. How much traveling do you expect to do? As, I mean, I know you're doing a lot for your campaign. Right, You're going to end right. up doubling it? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we'll see. And, and like you said, there are technology resources. You don't, you don't physically have to go from place to place anymore. We have the Montana Digital Academy that's working with kids. Um, I was in uh, the U of M talking to the dean there. We were talking about how, you know, can we use some of that Montana Digital Academy technology to, to, help, to help provide uh, professional development for teachers. You know, does it just have to be used for, for high school kids, or can we use that through the education system entirely? Is there a way that we start using technology? You know, I mean, Skype is, Skype is, a, is a pretty nifty, nifty tool, and it's free. Right. We could have all of our new teachers being mentored by our best teachers in the state. It doesn't have to be the teacher who's down the hall from you. Um, you know, the, the teacher down the hall from you is really good for answering questions about where the coffee room is. The teacher down the hall from you might not be your best resource for what's the best way for me to make sure that Johnny's understanding, you know, place value. Right. And now with digital technology, they also wouldn't be the only resource. Right. Um, so how do you deal with a situation like we had here in Helena? And I don't know if you're familiar with it, although I assume you are since it went national, with the sex ed. Mm -hmm. um, we had two sides of the argument, one side that um, I was on and one side that um, some people that I know uh, were crazy on. <laughs> and they had some things that were um, horrific that they said and that they brought up that, one, were not true, and two, were just flat-out horrible things to say. And um, there was a lot of fear that was going into it. There's a lot of... Um, discomfort because it's sex ed mm -hmm. and how would you as the Office of Public Instruction help a school district deal with that because that's one of the things that I didn't see happen but I don't know that I don't know that it could I would assume that it should have but I didn't see a lot of and maybe people would have thought it was interfering maybe people thought it would, was um, you know getting a hammer to swat a fly sort of thing right um, but there was a lot that went into, I know that you know, Dr. Messenger, when he put it together, you know, did a lot of work on it, and some people were complaining that they weren't involved, and other people were saying they were too involved, and there was this whole big argument that went on with both sides, and I never once saw the Office of Public Instruction step in and say, how can we help? Right. So, so and, and, and I don't know, the Office of Public Instruction has, has a number of resources to bring to bear, and they have standards. That, you know, they, they have standards for for health and sex ed and, and those kinds right. of things that, that are really broad, wrong, broad brush things, right? And and you know, and 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 there are different there are different issues of turmoil in different communities all across the state. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, the, the issue in Helena went national, but but there are issues all across the state. And so every once in a while, when I talk about increased local control, I get a very concerned look, saying. But my community, you know, but we're having a hard, we're, we're, we've got a struggle that's going on in our school. And my response to that is, but you've identified it fairly quickly, 
And usually within a year, it's resolved. Sometimes it takes two, but in a relatively short period amount of time. The issue is identified, a process goes, you know, a process gets put in place so that communication gets opened up, people get involved, they don't always say the nicest things, they're not always, you know, the calmest, most rational about it, but you work through the process and you work together as a community and you get to a resolution. When Helena messes things up, you're stuck for a decade. Yes. And, and, and that's always the reaction I get of, okay. You know, when you, when you talk about promoting local control, you're not there to fix everything. It's kind of like mom and dad with the kids. Mom and dad don't always interject every time the kids have an argument. Sometimes kids have to learn how to work, their, work through that. Same thing with communities. Communities shouldn't always have, you know, you, you don't turn to the Office of Public Instruction all of the time to say, what's the answer here? Well, On and the I other don't hand, think anybody was looking for right. the answer from OPI, but I think it would have been nice if OPI had stepped some up resources. and said, you know, we've tackled this in other communities because they had it. It had been tackled in Missoula, it had been tackled in Billings, it had been tackled in Bozeman. And OPI didn't step in and say, hey, here's the resources that we have that we know have worked. Right. Here's what we know also that didn't work. Right. Make sure that you've reviewed this so that as we go forward, you have some education, yes. imagine, yes. <laughs> on, on what you're dealing with. Absolutely. And what we've come up with here is I don't know that it's been resolved. I think it's just gone to stalemate, you know, because the board, uh, in the, the people that were on the board that really opposed it, they got elected out. Um, so it's, it seems like it's calm now, but I think it'll, it'll rise up again because it's being implemented now and come this fall when school starts up again and parents get a chance to see it, a bunch of them, I think, are going to freak out again. You know, not, not that they're going to read it and freak out, but they're going to know that it's there, know that it's happening, and then they're going to take their prejudice and their fear and their doubt and all those things and freak out again, and it's going to blow up for us. And it'd be nice, it would have been nice if, I, if, the, if OPI had stepped in and said, you know, this is going to help, or these pieces may help you. Right. And I didn't see right. that. Right. And I would think that that's... And, and I don't know if, if they were offered or not. Um, you know, you know. So, sometimes public. you don't. Sometimes you don't necessarily know that. Right. Um, so, so, but, but the office does need to be a resource, and they need to be a resource to to your school board members and your superintendents, your administrators, your teachers, and your parents t- t- to the community. And there is a lot that we've learned, and there's a lot of experience that's that should be shared across the state. Figuring out the mechanics of, of how that happens and how you create that warehouse of information and and how you can make it easily searchable so that folks can find what they need when they need it. I mean, that is the challenge of the technology, you know, the age of technology, is, is we now have lots of data. We have lots of knowledge. How do you access it when you need it best? And how does that get shared out? Whether it's pushed from OPI or it's there in a way to, to be accessed, you know, there, there needs to be a little bit of both. One of the things that that you learn very quickly as a candidate or as anybody who's doing any kind of marketing is you need to be, you need to have tools available for people and it needs to be a variety of tools because everybody wants something different at a different time. Whether it's, whether it's whether they want to see a technical piece of research, whether they want to see how other communities have de- dealt with this, whether they want something that they read that's online, watch a video. I mean, people need access all of the time in different ways, and and that's di- then that's difficult for that's difficult for a large bureaucracy to, to provide. But I also think part of that is is just understanding, having that vision of what is the role, what is the appropriate role for the office. Right. Um, 
as you promote local control, you have to also be promoting being a resource, being that support. So, so both of, to me, both of those things go hand in hand. Promoting local, local control doesn't mean you just say, you're all out there on your own. You know, th that's not <laughs> fly, what, my please, fly. <laughs> Exactly. That's not what I'm promoting at all. But, and, and I do think, because we do know a lot of best practice in education, but we can't afford for everybody to do everything at best practice tomorrow. Right. Right? Different communities need to say, based on the needs of their kids, these are the kinds of issues that we think are going to be, are, that are most urgent or that are going to give us the best results the most quickly. You know, it, you know, they need to be able to kind of organize how they're going to start moving in that direction. So we know what the picture of best practice looks like today. And it's going to change tomorrow, right? right? I mean, it always does. That's what best does. Best always changes. So, but you need to have multiple paths for people to choose to get there, um, just because their, their their resources, their constraints, their needs are different. Right. So, um, and I'm going to change the topic a little bit because okay. I have another thing that I want to ask you. Um, you've worked with the tribal lands, obviously, the same mm -hmm. as Kootenai. Um, one of the things that they're going through at the tribes, I've worked with them in a, in a couple of different capacities, and one of the things that they're going through is making sure that their language is kept. Mm -hmm. um, and they've started some really interesting language programs, um, some very cool uh, um, technology programs have been in place. Um, they worked very closely with Apple to make sure that the Crow alphabet is available as a keyboard on like the iPhone and the iPad and mm -hmm. Mac computers, which is very cool. Um, and one of the things that they've been talking about is doing uh, teaching the languages to other schools using the telelearning. Um, mm -hmm. Have you worked with any of that program at all, or is it still just kind of bubbling up? Or uh, I don't know, and I don't know what you know. I would think that Montana Digital Academy would be a way to to get those languages um, available to kids all across the state. So so I, I don't know exactly what the status is of of, of exactly the the project you're referring to. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have, you know, because we have a lot of different foreign languages that are available to kids in Montana now through the Montana Digital Academy, through those online kinds of resources. So I think those are things that need to be continued to be shared. So we have them for, off for, for opportunities for kids all over the place. That'd be cool. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So I know you're running yep. <laughs> out of time. So let's really quick let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. You have a website. It is at welchformontana.com. Okay. And are you on Twitter? I am at Welch for Montana. Okay. And Facebook? Sandy Welch for Superintendent. And you have a donate page on your website? I do. And we'll put a link to that. If anybody would like to volunteer or donate, obviously, you can go to welshformontana.com. Mm -hmm. um, Sandy, it's been awesome. Thank you for taking time out of your day to Th be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And maybe I'll have to come back, uh, <laughs> come back again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I look forward to seeing your debates. I think we have great candidates on both sides of the issue. I think there are some things that mm -hmm. you know, you're focused on a little bit differently than mm -hmm. uh, Denise. But I think that having great candidates from both parties is awesome. So yep. thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Politics is